Give me a hand, everyone. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, worship team. You guys are cool. Aren't they awesome? Let's give a big round of applause. Good morning. How are you doing? It's wonderful to see you. Uh, it's a great thrill to be here. Great honor once again. I want to thank Pastor Brad and Sarah uh, for uh, having me back. It's been a great honor actually to be uh, here, I think, three times this year, uh, which is wonderful. It's really lucky that I've got three sermons, so it fits in. Uh, Fits in really well, and um, I just uh, so blessed to be here today. And uh, I just uh, feel like God's uh, spoken to me to share something with you today. So I trust that uh, God's got something awesome for us. Amen. Uh, if you got your Bibles, uh, turn me to the Book of Genesis, Genesis chapter thirteen, Genesis chapter thirteen. Shouldn't be too hard to find. Uh, kind of goes table of contents, Genesis, uh, Genesis. Chapter 13, uh, going to be reading verses 14 and 15, uh, and it says this. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward and westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. I'll read that again. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, look, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward and westward, for the land which you see, I will give to you and your descendants forever. Now turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. It says this. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. I want to talk to you this morning about faith blind spots. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I just ask and pray that you open our eyes to see what you have for us. I thank you and praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 20 is one of the more well-known verses of Scripture in the Bible. It says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. There's nothing too hard for God. There's nothing that he can't do. There's no miracle that he needs to perform that is too big for him. There's no task that is too hard. There's no difficulty that is so difficult for him. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. It doesn't matter the situation you're in. It doesn't matter what you're going through. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. There's no problem that you have that is too tough. There is no miracle that you need that is too big. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. The problem is this. If he's able to do all that, why don't I always see it in my life? Because he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. If he's able to do all that, how come I'm not always experiencing it in my life? Well, the problem's not with him, because he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, but it's according to the power that works in us. The limit's not with him, the limit's with us, because he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I'm a big believer that God has more for us that God has more that he wants to pour out into our world, that God has more that he wants us to experience. But the reason why we don't always experience is not because of him, but it's actually because of us. 
And so there are some things that we need to have working in our world in order for us to experience all that he has for us. Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 and 15, God said to Abram, he says, Look to the north, the south, the east and the west. All the land that you see, I'll give it to you. If you can see it, you can have it. If you can't see it, you can't. He says, all the land that you see, I'll give it to you. If you can see it, you can have it. If you can't see it, you can't. I'm a big believer that God has some things for us in our life that we don't receive, not because it's not available, but because we can't see it. That if he would open our eyes to see what's available to us, we'd be able to receive some of the things that he actually has for our life. Uh, It's a little bit like we've got what I call faith blind spots. Um, you know, you drive down a three-lane road, imagine driving down Kessels Road, you're in the middle, uh, you know, middle lane and you're driving and you want to change lane. You look in your rear vision mirrors, looks like nobody's there, you start indicating to the left and, ah, ah. come on ladies, you know what I'm talking about. And then, <laughs> and it was like, it was like there's a car just there. It was there all along. I just couldn't see it because it was in my blind spot. It was always there, but I couldn't see it. I'm a big believer that as Christians, we actually all have blind spots. That there are things that are available to us that are in our vicinity that we don't receive it, not because it's not available, but because we don't see it. You hear it, we can even hear it in our language, the way that we talk sometimes. You know, I've heard of some preachers, I'll say things like, you know, I've got an anointing for backs. If you've got a bad back, I'm going to pray for you, God's going to heal you because I've got an anointing for backs. Now, if you've got cancer, that's not really my deal. But the thing is this, the God who's able to heal you of your back is also able to heal us of our cancer. It's amazing how some people, they see they've got great faith for other people's kids, except their own. <laughs> well, the same God who could do something powerful in someone else's kids could do something in, powerful in our kids as well. I remember one time many years ago, I was going on a prayer walk and the Holy Spirit said to me, God said, Ben, you've got great faith for provision, but you don't have any faith to prosper. He says, you have faith. If you're down to your last two cents, faith will kick in and you can believe for my provision. But when it comes to any more than that, you actually struggle to believe for it. Well, the same God who can provide for us can actually prosper us as well. The same God who's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees and provides, is also the same God, El Shaddai, God of more than enough, God of abundance. But the reason why I couldn't receive it is because at the time I couldn't actually see it. We have faith blind spots in our world, some areas in our life that are stopping us from receiving what God has for us. And so I want to talk to you today about causes of faith blind spots. I want to talk to you about six causes, six things that can cause us to have faith, uh, to have blind spots in our life, stopping us from receiving or seeing some of the things that God has for us. The first cause of faith blind spots is number one, disappointment. Disappointment. Sometimes we don't have faith for a particular area because we have tried and failed at it in the past. The Bible says in Luke chapter 5, it talks about when Jesus was borrowing, uh, wanting to preach, sorry, to a group of people at the beach. And so he borrows, uh, he sees uh, Simon Peter um, washing his nets on the shore. He was a fisherman. So he asked Peter if he could use his boat. So he used Peter's boat and he went out onto the lake. And from there he preached to the crowd that assembled on the shore. 
at the end of it, he turned to Peter and he said to Peter, Peter, let down your nets for a catch. Now, what he was saying to him is, get your, let's, you know, let your nets down, I'm going to give you a catch. Now, uh, depending on the translation of the Bible that you have, uh, determines what it actually says. So if you've got the NIV translation, the NIV translation says this, God says to Peter, Peter, let down your nets for a catch. And Peter says, Lord, we've toiled hard all night, caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the nets. But in the New King James Version, it actually says, God says to Peter, Peter, or Jesus said to Peter, Peter, let down your nets for a catch. And Peter says, Lord, we've fished hard, toiled hard all night, caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. So that's actually a significant difference. And so I uh, thought I'd better find out what the original language said. It's written in Cornonia Greek. And so, um, and so I got my Greek New Testament out. And I don't know a whole lot of Greek, but I did grow up in Melbourne. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so uh, I know a few Greek words, not always in the Bible. Uh, but uh, I, did, I did do a little bit of study at Greek and Bible College, and I'm not an expert, but I can d- tell the difference between a singular and a plural. And in the Greek, it says this, God, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, let down your nets for a catch. And Peter said, Lord, we fished hard, toiled hard all night. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down one net. So he let the net down. When he let the net down, the Bible said it was so full of fish that the net was going to break and they needed other boats to come and help him put it back in and to take it back in. If I was Peter and I got to shore, I'd be like, oh, I should have let down all the nets. Why didn't he let down all the nets? Because he had tried and failed in the past and he did not believe that God was able to bless him like he was going to bless him. His past disappointment caused him to stop it, stopped him from believing and stretching and fully obeying what Jesus had said for him to do. We need to understand that even if you failed at something in the past, that does not mean that God is not going to cause you to succeed next time. That just because you've failed at something in the past and you've been disappointed does not mean that God can't cause you to succeed. In fact, there are times when actually God causes us to succeed in areas where we have failed at in the past. I remember when I was a, a, you know, in a church in Melbourne when I first got saved, tiny little church, had about 20 people. And I remember the senior pastor after a while asked me to run the young adults group. So I thought, oh, that's awesome. There was about three of us. And so, uh, and so <laughs> I remember I was running the young adults group and I went overseas on a holiday. I came back. In the meantime, the young adults in my group decided they were going to leave the church and they all left and went to another church. And so I remember thinking to myself, well... Some young adults leader I am. I'm obviously not cut out for this ministry thing. Then I remember God called me to go to Bible college and I thought, oh, okay, I'll go to Bible college. I I had no intention of going into the ministry because I tried and failed at that in the past. And so I went to Bible college and I remember my first year there, I got asked to speak at a local youth group. I was so excited, never preached anywhere before, never even written a sermon, didn't know how to do it. But I went and preached at this little youth group of about 12 kids. And and to be honest, it was so bad that afterwards, nobody would talk to me. The only person who would talk to me was one of the oldest chaperones. She came up to me afterwards and she said, that was a really good try. (laughs) Remember thinking, here we go again. Failed again. Obviously not cut out for this ministry thing. 
Went to Bible college for three years. Didn't know why God had kept me there. I wanted to go and do something else. Yet in my time at Bible college, I got invited to, my wife and fiance and I got invited for a few different ministry positions. We ended up taking one to become youth pastors in a country town called Mackay. I remember I went there to Mackay and, uh, in, and on the first night, it was awesome. We had 22 young people come to our youth group, which was amazing, made us the second biggest youth group in the city. Then by the middle of the year, due to my incredible leadership and vision, the youth group grew down to six. <laughs> I thought, here we go again. Failed again. Obviously not cut out for this ministry thing. Remember at the end of the year, I was praying. I was thinking, I'm going to resign. This is it. I'm done. I'm cooked. I've tried, to, tried at this. I'm obviously not. This is not my skill set. And I remember at the end of that time, I felt the Holy Spirit say, he said, Ben, I haven't actually called you to fail here. I've called you to succeed. And I'd been so preconditioned to failure, I was assuming failure. And I remember I got into prayer for a couple of hours and said, I think you've called me to succeed. No, you won't. God, you've called me to succeed. No, you won't. God, you've called me to succeed. No, I prayed for a couple of hours. Eventually, the voice left. And the blind spot opened up. I was like, why would God call me here to fail? Where did I even get that from? It was my past preconditioning. This is what the Holy Spirit said to me. There's somebody here, you've had a failed marriage in the past and now you think it's never going to happen for you in the future. And God wants you to know that just because you've experienced a failure in the past does not mean you're not going to succeed in the future. We are not to allow our past disappointments to stop us from believing for things that God has in our life. It's our past disappointments that can actually cause blind spots in our thinking. The second thing that can cause blind spots is number two, delay. Delay. What that means is this: sometimes we don't have faith for a particular area. Sometimes we don't have, we don't, we assume God doesn't want to give us something because we've waited a long time for it. Bible says in Hebrews chapter six verse twelve, it says, "We don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit what God has promised." I've talked to you about this before. The promises of God are inherited through faith and patience. Don't like that second bit. Like the first bit. Inherited through faith. When God tells me, that's when I want him to do it. But they're inherited through faith and patience. Some translations of the Bible don't use the word patience. Use another word. It's called long-suffering. Sometimes you've got to suffer a long time before God's promises come to pass. But the thing is this, just because you've waited for something does not mean that God is not going to give it to you. There's an old saying, delay is not denial. And just because you've waited a long, long time and longer than what you thought does not actually mean that God is not going to do it. There's a story in the Bible where it talks about the prophet Elisha used to go and stay at a place called Shunem. And he would go and stay there and he would stay and minister there and he would stay with this couple. And this couple was a, uh, uh, an older couple unable to have children. And he would go there so often that the wife said to her husband, they said, this prophet, he's always coming to this place. So I think we need to, you know, put an extension on our house for him. So they put an extension on their house. And after they put an extension on their house, they had a table and a, and, and a bed and a lamp and a chair just for his exclusive use. The next time he came, he actually came there and, and spent time there and he couldn't believe it. He turned to his servant Gehazi. He said, what can we do for this woman? And Gehazi said, well, uh, they've been unable to have children. And so Elisha doesn't say, oh, well, that's too hard for God. Is there anything else? He says, oh, okay. 
called the lady before him and he said, this time next year, you're going to have a baby in your arms. You would have thought her reaction would be awesome, so good. That wasn't her reaction. Her reaction was, oh, shut up. Don't say that. Why did she respond that way? Because she'd waited for so long and wanted it so bad that she didn't want to get her hopes up anymore because she thought it wasn't going to happen. But who knows that just because it didn't happen when you want it to happen doesn't mean it's not going to happen. We serve a God who can bring dead promises back to life. We serve a resurrection God. And he can talk to barren people and say, you're going to have children. He can talk to people who look like that there's no opportunity, that you've missed the boat, that you've waited too long. And he can still bring these things back to pass. Delay is not a reason for not believing God for great things in our future. And God could bring something to pass later than what you thought. But one of the things I've learned is that when God does it, he always brings it at the right time. Time. You know, uh, Easter time is a time where it's, uh, I don't preach a whole lot at Easter time, I often take holidays, but I remember when I was uh, pastoring at a church, Easter time, I loved Easter time because it was a time where you actually didn't have to pray about what you're going to preach about because it was pretty obvious. You know, you got Good Friday service, guess what we're preaching on? Uh, Easter Sunday, we're preaching on the resurrection. And so I find a lot of preachers, they fall into different camps. Some preachers are like Good Friday kind of guys, love preaching about Good Friday. Other preachers, I know they're Easter Sunday guys, they love preaching about Easter Sunday. But I'm a bit different, I'm actually an Easter Saturday guy. I like preaching about Easter Saturday, uh, which is a problem. Uh, because we don't do church on Easter Saturday. And, uh, and I actually haven't met anybody else who says that they like preaching about Easter Saturday. And uh, people say, you know, and the reason why people don't like preaching about Easter Saturday is because nothing happened. On Good Friday, Christ died. On Easter Sunday, he rose back to life. Easter Saturday, nothing happened. But here's the thing. There's always a period between the time when your promise dies and when it comes back to life. There's always a period of time where sometimes we're waiting and sometimes we're waiting longer than we, what we want. But the lesson of Easter Saturday is this, just because a promise has died and you've waited a long time does not mean that God can't bring that thing back to life. Delay is not a reason for us not believing God for good things in our life. The next reason why cause of faith blind spots is number three, we don't know, don't know. Sometimes we can't see something that's available to us because we don't know it's available. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 32, it says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Have you heard of the phrase, the truth shall make you free? That's incomplete. It's actually not true. It says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The only truth that will make you free is the truth that you know. If you don't know it, you can't be free. It's the truth that you know that makes you free. And sometimes we don't receive things because we don't know that they're actually available. The Bible says in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge can destroy us, can rob us of the things God has for our world. Uh, I am um, <clears throat> really, I shouldn't declare this over my life, but it's probably just a fact. Um, I'm really not the most technical person uh, in the world. And, and uh, technology is not really my strong suit. And uh, I remember a number of years ago, uh, I was living out at Springfield Lakes and uh, my office was at Jindalee. 
and um, and I would uh, and I I assumed uh, that you know in order for me to get my work emails, I had to be connected into the server uh, at work, and so uh, there'd be times in the middle of the night I'd be like, oh, I've got to go check that email, so I just drive twenty minutes. Um, <laughs> I'd go into the office, plug my laptop into the server and get my emails, come home. I'd get a message, Ben, did you get that email? Oh, no, I didn't. And so I'd just duck out, drive 20 minutes, go to the office, plug it in and get my emails and come back. And I was doing that for quite a while. And uh, then one time we had another office at New Farm and so I was at New Farm and the business manager said, he goes, Ben, can I have a look at your laptop? I said, no, I just gave him my laptop. He plugged it in and... And, uh, and then all of a sudden, beep, 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 all these emails uh, come up. And I said, I said, how'd you do that? He goes, what? He goes, I said, how'd you get my emails, my work emails? He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, I thought that I needed to be plugged into the server at Jindalee in order for me to get my work emails. He goes, no, no, anytime you're on the internet, anywhere, you can get these work emails. I said, What? And he goes, yeah. And I'm thinking, I've been driving in the middle of the night in my pyjamas. <laughs> it was always available. But I didn't receive it because I didn't know. I promise you, every one of you, your smartphone, you probably use it at 10% of the capacity. You could do so much more and it's there at your fingertips, but you don't use it because you don't know it. One of the things, I've seen God do things and sometimes I've been shocked because I didn't even know it was available. I remember one time I'm in this meeting and there's a guy preaching at the front and he's given words of knowledge for healings. And he says, oh, and he's saying, there's someone here getting your back healed, someone you're getting arthritis healed, that sort of thing, people coming up and testifying. And then he says this, there's somebody here, you're getting healed of dyslexia. Now, when he said that, I remember thinking to myself, oh, is that even a thing? <laughs> like... Can you actually be healed of that? I mean, like, what is that something to be healed of? Anyway, guy in our church puts his hand up and says, that's me. And so he comes up the front, and then the, leader, uh, the, the preacher goes, okay, do something you wouldn't normally be able to do. So he gets the conference registration form and starts reading out the fine print. And as he's reading it out, he keeps turning and saying, I shouldn't be able to do this. And I'm sitting there thinking, I didn't even know it was available. There's things that he has for us that we don't even know is available. I remember one time at our Bible college, we actually had a, um, we, we do, you know, an encounter retreat and people get touched by God. And then they, after they come up and testify. And there was this young girl in our Bible college and um, she got up to testify and tell us her, her story. And her story was that she'd always been same-sex attracted. And so she had, in fact, to the point that she was, all her friends would ask her for advice on boys because she could think like a boy. And so that was just, you know, that was just the way she was. She said she got up and testified that after that retreat, all those same-sex desires completely left, completely went away. And I remember thinking, I didn't even know it was available. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. But it's according to the power that works in us. Sometimes we have a blind spot because we don't even know 
what's available. The next thing that uh, can cause faith blind spots is deception. Deception. Sometimes we have a faith blind spot because we have wrong beliefs or theology. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, 29, according to your faith, it will be done to you. It's done to us according to our faith. It's done to us according to what we believe. So a friend of mine, she was a teacher at a Christian school. And uh, one morning at staff devotions, she just felt, um, uh, sorry, the the leader there uh, was doing devotions and said, look, we've got a prayer request today. One of the families have just found out that the dad uh, has been diagnosed with terminal cancer. So he's only got a few weeks to live. So can we just pray right now? And we want to pray that, um, that God, you know, God will comfort the family at this time. And so my friend, and so a lot of the teachers there weren't Pentecostal. My friend who's a Pentecostal, uh, as she said, they said that, she put her hand up. She said, oh, excuse me, has he passed away yet? <clears throat> and they said, no. And she said, well, while we're praying comfort, can we also pray that he gets healed? And all these teachers said, oh, no, 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 we can't do that. God doesn't do that. So well, where'd you get that from? Who told you that? It's because they'd been taught that, that they had a wrong belief. Uh, I, a few, number of years ago, I was at a conference and the speaker was Dr. David Yongi Cho and pastor of the largest church in the history of the world. Like at one point, I think a million people in this church in Seoul, Korea. Great man of prayer. And he was, <clears throat> he was saying at this conference that for many, many years, he had suffered with a bladder conge- condition to the point that he needed to go to the bathroom every hour without fail. And he would often, tra- if he was preaching somewhere, he'd have an entourage with him. There's all these guys come with him. One of the guys, it was his job to find out where the closest toilet was. So whenever Dr. Cho needed to go to the bathroom, they could take him straight there. <clears throat> and this was something that he just thought he just had to handle. Uh, there was a scripture that the, in the Bible uh, says, um, it's the Apostle Paul says that God has given me a thorn in my flesh. And I've met a lot of Christians who use that scripture. God's given me a thorn in my flesh. It's something that I can't overcome or defeat. God has allowed this, this area of defeat in my life. And, and that's what God said to the Apostle Paul. And so Yongi Cho thought, because he's such a big deal, that's probably something he just has to, has to deal with. And, and he, I heard him say one time that actually he went to, uh, he was visiting Australia and he was flying from Adelaide to Perth in a little Cessna, which didn't have a toilet. And it was a few hour flight. And he said he eventually made it to the bathroom at the airport in Perth. And I heard him say in his Korean accent, oh, now I know what heaven feel like. And so he went... <clears throat> and one day he's praying and the Holy Spirit said to him, why don't you believe for me to be healed of this? And he said, oh, it was a thorn in my... I thought it was a thorn in my flesh. And, he go, and the Holy Spirit said, no. I said that to the Apostle Paul because of the surpassingly great revelation he was getting, that was actually going to make up much of the New Testament. Are you saying your revelation is as good as the Apostle Paul's? And Yongi Cho said, oh, no, sir. And the Holy Spirit said, well, that scripture doesn't apply to you. And he could say, hold on. There's a healing that's available to me. 
So every day he would spend time praying, thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. I don't know the period of time, but at one point he realized he didn't need to go to the bathroom every hour anymore. And he got completely healed. What had happened? He had been bound to this untruth because of false theology. The amount of people that I've seen get baptized in the Holy Spirit, start speaking in other tongues after they were taught it. And the amount of times I've met people who said, I didn't think it was for me. I was taught it wasn't for me. And then they were taught it correctly from the scripture. And then that door was opened up and they realized it was available for them. Sometimes we have blind spots because of deception, false teaching. The next thing that can cause us a blind spot, and the reason why, <clears throat> the reason why uh, it's got to start with, every point I have has to start with D because I just started that way. So um, this next point is called diffidence. Diffidence. It's called, ins- what that means is insecurity and timidity. A blind spot can form because of our own insecurity and timidity. What that means is this, we don't think God wants to bless us because we somehow see God as a harsh, harsh, judgmental God who doesn't want to bless us. You know, I read in Ephesians 3.20, now God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. But the verses preceding that, the Apostle Paul actually writes, I pray that you would be rooted and grounded in God's love that you understand how much he loves you. Now God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. What does that mean? It means that God is able to do amazingly in our lives when we realize how much he loves us. When I was a youth pastor, um, we were at a youth camp was coming up and spoke to one of the girls in our youth group and I said to her, I said, hey, um, are you coming to camp? She goes, I can't come to camp, Pastor Ben. I don't have the money for it. I said, okay, no worries. Well, it's not too late. Why don't we pray right now and ask for God to give you the money to come to camp? And you know what she said to me? She goes, oh, I couldn't do that. I said, what do you mean? She goes, oh, I can't do that. The Lord's already been so good to me. The Lord's already done so much for me. I couldn't possibly ask for another thing. I said, no, no, no. <laughs> I said, no, no, we're going to ask and we're going to pray because he is your heavenly father and there is no harm in asking. Some Christians are so religious that they don't think God wants to bless them and then get ticked off at other people who have a revelation of, of, of their relationship with God and get upset that God gives them some of the things that they were wanting for their life. But the thing is that person asked for it and you didn't. The Bible says that if you don't ask, you don't receive. And the thing is there's so many people are so worried. You know, when they seek God or ask God for things, they're so worried that, you know, that somehow that God is not going to approve of the things they ask for. Ask for. One of the things I've learned is because, you know, you hear people say things like, oh, I don't want to ask God for things because I'm worried about his will. I don't know if it's his will or not. Well, I've learned over the years, I don't worry about God's will. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? He won't give it to you. That's as bad as it gets. <clears throat> it's not like he's going to kick you out of the family. My children ask me for things out of my will all the time. Daddy, can I drive the car? No. 
Daddy, can I drive the car? No, but it's not like, Daddy, can I drive the car? No, it's out of my will. Now get out of my house. <laughs> There's no harm in asking. The Bible says he satisfies your desires with good things. I've heard people say things like, well, God will only give you your needs, not your greeds. What scripture says that? The Bible says he'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, not only your needs. Psalm 103 said he satisfies your desires with good things. If you have a desire, if it's a good thing, there's no harm in asking. Don't be afraid to ask and say, he's your heavenly father. I've asked God for some of the most carnal things. You've got no idea. I remember one time, I'm at Bible college, okay? And um, I'm just, um, you know, we got, I'd given away all my suits. You know, and I felt God told me, give away your suits. I had all these suits, I gave them away. And um, I remember we're coming up to college graduation and I didn't have a suit. Now I, I could borrow a tie, had a shirt, wear some slacks, you know. And I remember, I remember I was in my room praying in my dorm. I said, oh, Lord, you know, college grad's coming up. Uh, I really, you know, thank you so much for all you've done for me. If it's all right, I wouldn't mind if it's okay, if I could have a suit. Next time I go into class, one of my mates comes up to me. He goes, I was praying last night. God told me I had a need. What is it? I said, oh, it's not a small need. He goes, what is it? I said, oh, I need a suit. He goes, all right, we'll go look for one at lunchtime. I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> and we were living in Sydney at the time and I was living in a suburb called Chester Hill, basically halfway between Bankstown and Parramatta. Now, Parramatta had this really nice shopping centre, more expensive, called Westfield. Bankstown had this Povo shopping centre. And so my friend goes, let's look for a suit. And I just thought, oh, look, we'll just go to the cheap shopping centre. So we went over to the Bankstown shopping centre. And we're looking, I'm looking at these cheap and nasty suits, you know, because I'm just trying to save him some money. And then my friend grabs me and goes, listen, Ben, just get the suit you want. I said, oh, We'll go to Parramatta. So we went to Parramatta. I'm looking around and I walk into this shop and there I see it. Now, like this is back in the mid-90s. Okay, some of you will get what I'm saying, especially if you're an Islander. And, um, and this suit was electric blue and it was a mandarin suit, collarless suit. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, and um, it's like boys to men wore this, this kind of thing. And so, and it was a collarless electric blue suit and I looked at it. It was about 400 bucks, I thought. That's my suit. I said, can I have that? He goes, no worries. Get it. I said, praise the Lord. So I grabbed it, took it home, and I thought, this is so good. So good. Sat it down, looked at it, and I said, I realized, oh, Lord, um, thank you so much for the suit. This is the nicest suit I've ever had in my life. But, but it's a mandarin suit, collarless, and, and you have to have a certain type of shirt uh, to go with it. I don't have... That kind of shirt. Uh, can I get the shirt I need to go with this suit? <clears throat> I went down to dinner. I was catching up with um, I had dinner with other students. We lived on site, and there was a girl there. She's a friend of mine, Tongan girl, and uh, but she was really rich because her dad was white. And so, <laughs> and I was, <clears throat> I was sitting there, and I said, her "Name's Falau." I said, "We're talking," and she goes, hey, "Remember, I said I'm going to buy you something this year." I said, "Yes, you did." She goes, "What do you want?" I said. I'd like a shirt. She goes, <clears throat> okay, let's go. And so we went, bought this shirt, and then I came to college, grad styled, you know, <clears throat> although we've come to the end. Anyway, so <clears throat> it was looking so good. Anyway, 
Fast forward 12 months. I'm out with the guys. They're all looking for suits. I already had a suit. Got one last year. As we're walking around, they're all buying new suits. And I'm like, Lord, you know, thank you so much for last year's suit. (laughs) I really appreciate it. And it would be fine, no problem for me to wear again this year. But um, I was wondering if it was all right if I got another suit, something more in keeping for this year, you know. And uh, I remember I had got given the week before $160. That's all I had. So I'm walking around the shopping centre and I thought, by faith, I'm going to look. Because if you don't believe, you're not even going to look. And so I was walking around, and I walked in this shop, really nice suits, this shop. And I thought, oh, this is all too expensive for me. It's like $400, $500 at the time. And, and then I walk in, and then I noticed I saw an arrow, and it pointed to a rack of suits. It said 75% off. I thought, I might just have a look in there. Had a look, and saw these really nice suits, you know, charcoal, uh, charcoal wool, magnificent. And I looked at there, and it said 75% off, and there was $400. And I said, what's 75% for? It's a hundred bucks. I said, praise the Lord. Just grab it. Went and paid for it. Now my faith is rising. I said, Lord, now, you know, that other shirt doesn't go with this suit. I need another shirt. So I'm walking along and uh, go to this other shop and I see outside, uh, this had this rack and and they had all these shirts discounted and, and they had these beautiful black. Now, I have never seen this material ever since the 90s. It's called viscose. You've seen viscose? It's like, it's so slippery, man. Like you put it on, you slide off a leather couch. You know what I'm saying? And they had these black, shiny, viscose shirts. And I looked at it and it was like, 15 bucks. I'm like, praise the Lord. So I grabbed that, put that on. I said, Lord, now I need a tie. So I'm walking around and I walk into this store and it was like it was, I saw it. It was just shining at me. It was a bright gold tie. Just magnificent. And so, these are the 90s. And so... And it was actually 45 bucks. So I got the whole thing for $160. Now, some of you are feeling a bit weird about me saying this. God doesn't care. It's not like, God, if you don't give it to me, I'm not serving you anymore. That's no, not how it works. But there's no harm in asking. Because I know he loves me. And I can ask him for things. And there's no harm. In, and there's some people here, you're not even asking But if you don't ask, you don't receive. And we need to understand that we serve a good God who gives good gifts to his children. Amen? And there's no harm in asking. Have I got everything I've asked for? No. But there are some things that I have asked for that God has surprised me with. More than just your basic needs. And we need to understand something. That we serve a God who wants us to understand how much he loves us. If my children came up to me and said, hey, Dad, yeah, what's, what is it, son? Oh, don't worry. It's okay. What do you want? Oh, it's a new soccer season coming up and I need some boots, but I can, you know, I can do with the old ones. I can put gaffer tape on them. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, Dad. I don't want to bother you, Dad. I'm like, hey, I'm your dad. I can buy the boots. <laughs> Bible says that compared to God, we're evil fathers. That if we ask him 
for an egg, he's not going to give us a scorpion, a snake. He's a good father who gives good gifts to his children. And I'm not talking about materialism. But I am saying we have a heavenly father who doesn't mind blessing his children. And there's no harm in asking. What is it that you're desiring? What is it that you're believing for that you haven't even asked him about? There's no harm in asking. Blind spots, religious blind spots are formed because of our own insecurity, because of our own diffidence and timidity. Amen? And the next one is this, the last one. The last reason why we don't receive some of the things God has for us, oh, sorry, some of the reasons why we have a blind spot is because of disobedience. Disobedience. Many promises are accessed only through obedience. What that means is many of the promises of God, he says, this is the promise, this is the action you're required to receive that promise. And so what that means, so many promises are conditional. Salvation is conditional. It's not automatic. That's a false theology called universalism. Universalism says that Christ died for all, so everyone's automatically saved. That is not scriptural. That actually, yes, Christ died for all. The promise is available, but in order to receive that promise, we need to believe, repent, confess, give our lives to Jesus Christ. There is a contingent action in order to receive that promise. And that's not the only one. There are many promises all through the scripture that will enable us to receive some of the things that God has for our life. And so what I have found is this, that there sometimes could be in our life where we actually are required to do something in order to receive a promise. But we don't do it. And because we don't do it, we don't receive that promise. But because we're unwilling to change our behavior, we then start changing our theology. And start saying, oh, God doesn't do that. We're not going to, that's not for us right here, right now. All because on the inside we have a heart of stone saying, I will not turn away from this action that I'm wanting to receive. And then we become what's called self deceived. That's why the Bible says, if you know the truth but don't do it, you become deceived. You're like a man who looks in the mirror. And you look in the mirror and then immediately afterwards you forget what you look like. The word of God is not for us simply to admire ourselves in. The word of God requires us to adjust ourselves and change. That's what mirrors are for. Mirrors are not like, you know, did you ever used to watch a TV show, Happy Days? You remember the Fonz? The Fonz only ever used the mirror to admire himself. He'd look at the mirror, he'd get the comb about to touch his hair and he'd go, and he'd walk on off. And that's how some Christians use the Word of God. They just use it to tell themselves how awesome they are. But we also use it to adjust ourselves. And there are promises in God's Word that when we spend time in His Word, He says, if you change your behavior, if you do this, then you're going to get that promise. And if we get God's Word and we do not obey it, we then become deceived. I wonder so many times, I see sometimes Christians who love the Lord, but areas of where they've been deceived, and the, and the reason why they've been deceived is because they've been disobedient. That that moment that God touched their heart through God's word and said, if you change your behavior, if you start doing this, then you're going to get that. But because we don't change, then all of a sudden the shutters come up and the blindfolds come on. And we change and we get a wrong theology and wrong thinking and blind spots form all because of disobedience. 
You know, I came and spoke to you in September, I believe it was, and Pastor Brad asked me to share some of my teaching on giving and that sort of thing. And I have found, honestly, that one of... I've seen many, many times where people who have who have been Christians a long time but have been disobedient in the area of giving and offering to the Lord and they've had a false theology built up around it. But as soon as they step into that area of obedience, just like the Bible says, the windows of heaven open and they're like, man, I don't even know why I thought that before. I don't know. Why do we sometimes have wrong thinking and blind spots? Because of disobedience. Because God told, tells us to do something in his word. And when we don't do it, our hearts get hard and seared. And this is probably the longest I have ever spent on this point. Normally this point I brush over. But I really felt the Holy Spirit say to me, there's one or two people here, God told you to do something. And you need to do it for the very least so that your heart is not hard to the Lord. And whatever that is, and I'm not going to do an altar call about it, but there's somebody here and the Lord told you to do something and you didn't do it. And right now, because of his word, he's reminding you. And if you will go and do it and make that thing right, you will be amazed at what happens in your life. There's a message that I've been preaching lately, which I'm not sure that I'll preach here. And it, and it's um, I, I call it part of a tough text series. You know, some texts of the Bibles are tough and difficult. And it's a series that I do, but I was thinking of doing. And one of the messages was based on the scripture in Exodus, where God said to Moses... He said, Moses, I want you to go into Egypt and deliver my people. The Bible says on the way to going to Egypt, God actually came to kill him. And when God came to kill him, then Moses' wife Zipporah grabbed their son, chopped his foreskin off, circumcised him, then threw the foreskin at Moses' feet and said, you're a husband of blood to me. And then God let him go. And the title of the message was called Cut That Out. (laughs) and people say what (laughs) it's a tough text of the bible it's one of those passages of scripture you think well that doesn't make any sense but the reality was this moses was supposed to circumcise his son as a jewish man and never did it and even though god called him to go to egypt god himself was going to stop him because he couldn't go any further with that disobedience in his life And he needed to deal with that disobedience. Disobedience can short-circuit our destiny. Disobedience can limit our future. Disobedience can stop us from receiving all that God has for our life. And maybe there's somebody here, and I don't know who you are, and this is way, way, way longer than I would normally talk on this point. But God loves you too much to let you keep going on. He's got so much more for you, but that thing can stop you from obtaining everything that God has for our world. Disobedience can cause us have a faith blind spot my prayer for us here today is this i felt the holy spirit actually give me a prophecy for 2017 for the churches that i'm considered a friend of the house and i feel that forever house i'm probably considered a friend of the house and the scripture the lord gave me was actually genesis 13 14 15 look to the north the south the east and the west all the land that you see he'll give you what does that mean felt the holy spirit say that for 2017 he's going to give you victory on every side that he's going to give you victory in even some of the defeated areas of your life
that there's been some defeated areas in people's lives that you've had in defeat, oops, nearly fell over, that you've had in defeat for many, many years. But in 2017, God's going to bring breakthrough and he's going to give you victory on every side. The north, the south, the east and the west, all the land that you see, he's going to give you. And my prayer for two, and my prayer for um, everyone here today, today, tonight, today, tonight, is this: that He would open our eyes, so that we could see all that God has for us, that the blinkers would come off, because He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. But it's according to the power that works in us. Amen.